everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back at My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. <laughs> it's been a bit since I have done a podcast episode for this podcast. And it's been even longer since I've done a movie review for this podcast. And I figure with it being October, it's a great time to finally cover a movie I've been wanting to cover for years. So I'm covering... Pet Cemetery 2 from 1992. So in this movie, a teenage boy and his father move to his recently deceased mother's hometown where they encounter the ancient Native American cemetery with the power to raise the dead. That is just a quick summary of the movie. There are many other summaries that go into greater detail about the movie. So, yes, Pet Cemetery 2 is a sequel to 1989's Pet Cemetery. So, if you're not familiar with this podcast, just know how I do these movie reviews is I watch the movie and I comment along with them. Also, if you are familiar, you already know that the rating for this podcast is E for Explicit. So, no further explanation needed. So I'm looking at IMDb here. For Pet Cemetery 2, it says it's got a 4.9 out of 10 based on 22,830 ratings. Looking at the original, that's got a 6.5 out of 10, which, yeah, I get it. Yeah, the original, because it's, it is, it is better in terms of story and stuff. I mean, yeah, Pet Cemetery 2 can feel a little, you know, kooky, but it's, not anywhere near holy fuck this new this pet cemetery from 2019 it's got a 5.7 out of 10 go fuck that i'm sorry if you like it i thought it was a garbage dump of shit fire i'm sorry but that's my opinion to me i just i enjoy the second one so, this uh, movie was actually directed by Mary Lambert, who also directed the first one. And, good, good, good. Alright. Sorry, there's a, so, I'm going to go down the cast list. We got Anthony Edwards of ER fame, Clancy Brown. This guy always seems to play a bad guy. <laughs> who has never had any redeeming quality. So, the thing about Clancy Brown is, I have been aware of this guy for a very long time. There's a TV movie that my sister taped off the television that scared me so much that I basically ended up burning the tape in the in our trash barrel because I was literally having nightmares due to this movie. And the movie I'm speaking of is Love, Lies, and Murder. Uh, it's this TV miniseries from 91, so it's probably about 8, 9 years old at the time. It's just, oh my gosh. I don't know if I'd be able to watch that as an adult. But uh, in that movie, when a young housewife is murdered, the cops find her troubled daughter guilty after she confesses to the crime, but was she really the killer? This movie, based on the true story, begins with the murder of a housewife when troubled teenage daughter confesses the crime. It looks like a soft case, but the investigators are suspicious because of the lack of motive and spend years trying to determine what really happened. 
Um, yeah. So that's where I became familiar with that guy from. Uh, I think he's also in another movie that's got, um, Kirstie Alley where he plays, uh, yeah, this guy, just, he, you look at this guy and he, his face just screams villainous. We also have Jared Rushton, who at this point had been in Big, he'd been in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, so no amount of fuzzy facial hair on this guy is gonna make me <laughs> uh, think of him as, I mean, he is a bully, don't get me wrong, but, uh, yeah. We also have Jason McGuire, who is playing Drew Gilbert, who is kind of the it boy who gets picked up by the bullies until Edward Furlong, Jeff Matthews, moves to town with his father, Chase Matthews, who's a vet. We also have Marjorie Har Hargrove, who's played by Sarah Trigger. We have Lisa Waltz as Amanda Gilbert. We have... Darlene Flugel is Renee Hollow, Jeff's mother, and a handful of umpteen plus people. <laughs> Writers for this movie, we have Richard Auten. Have not heard of him. Alright, so we of course have trivia. Quite a bit of it, so I'm going to wait till after the movie. So, without further ado, I'm just going to jump right into this movie. I think it's such a great movie for the fall spooky season. And again, like I said, I started this podcast back in May of 2017. And I just really have been wanting to get to this for years and years and years. But I've just never been able to either find the time or other things have kind of taken priority. Like my Full House Fuller House podcast, which... That is actually going to be coming to an end at the end of 2024. So I'll be able to finally focus on hopefully doing more movie reviews, which is really, I really want to do also some episodes. I think it's more of, I'm just going to be doing episodes of shows, not necessarily starting up new podcasts or anything like that. So any episodes of Everwood, that's pretty much been on the back burner for years that's kind of dead in the water and kind of sort of the same thing with American Dreams. I just have been committing to TV shows, TV series for a while now and I kind of want to dip my toes in mo more movie reviews and just singular episodes of television going forward. Um, I do have season two of the Wonder Years that I do, of course, want to cover for the podcast. If you don't already know, the show has been canceled. I mean, I'm looking forward to season two. That's all I got to say. It looks really, really good, even though there's only 10 episodes. So look forward to that at some point, most likely, probably late 2024 or even most likely definitely 2025. Without further ado, like I said, let's jump into Pet Cemetery 2. All right, so the movie starts off. It's dark. It's a wooded area. We see the title card, Pet Cemetery 2, with a Roman number, Roman numeral number 2. 
and then like big blood splatter behind it. It's foggy, and then all of a sudden we see all the names of the cast come up. And then we see this, whether it's supposed to be a wolf, it looks like, spoiler alert, there's a dog, instead of the cat, like in the first movie, now it's a dog that we're focusing on. And this dog's eyes are glowing red. And I'm thinking, because the dog is like a husky, kind of wolfish mix, so... Now we're focusing on the inside of a castle and we have a woman holding a lantern walking down a spiral staircase. So now she's bent down in some water and she's grabbing a metal... It's like a... a a metal fence that's surrounding, I'm not sure whether this is supposed to be like one of those sarcophagus type things that hold a mummy inside of it. So all of a sudden these skeletal hands like reach up and try to grab <laughs> the actress Renee, Jeff's mom, and she's clearly missing the mark because she gets startled and just kind of Scream laughs, like, <laughs> like it's basically tickling her. And then you see the director yell, cut. <laughs> She's laughing, like, I'm sorry he grabbed me. We do see that she does have a director's chair that does say Renee Holloway on it. So Renee tells Frank, the director, like, hey, Frank, why don't we give this up? Okay, we're never going to get this shot. He keeps missing my arms. And Frank goes over to the guy who's using the arms, like, hey, do you think you can hit your mark next time? And the guy says, it's not a matter of hitting the mark. There's not a damn thing down there. Basically, he's working blind. There's not a damn thing down there to say. I can't see where, like, I'm trying to, like, get the damn arms up to, you know, hands up to grab her arms. And <laughs> like that. Renee and the director have a good rapport with each other. <laughs> I mean, yes, there is, like, water all over the damn place. Water dripping on the electrical equipment, which is kind of foreshadowing for what's to happen. So, Renee's got her ciggy. She's calling for Jeff, her son, and this is where we first see Edward Furlong. So, it looks like they're pretty much... He's splitting time between his parents. Like, he spent the weekend with his dad, who I'm guessing must also live in California somewhere. And it basically seems like he's grown up around movie sets, so he's pretty familiar with them. Right now, at the point, Renee and Jeff's dad, Chase, are separated. Because when Jeff's... A Oh, Dad says he wants to come down to the set for dinner, if that's all right. And she's like, yeah, that'd be fine. Dinner would be great. But I don't want you to get your hopes up because we're trying to work things out. And he's like, Mom, I know you've told me that. It's cool. Dinner would be great. I 
don't want you getting your hopes up, okay? I'm trying to work things out, but I know, Mom. Okay, people, quiet. Final touches. Now's the time. I think it's showtime. Jeff? So they're replaying the scene as she's coming down the spiraling staircase with the lit lantern. It looks like we got a couple other people working the arms. One person's working one of them. The other one's working the other. So that way when she does come down, hopefully they'll be able to hit their mark. However, the whole set is just a wash. Because it's supposed to be a, just a, a gloomy, wet, damp set. Just, um castle that's basically the atmosphere they're going for unfortunately um, that's going to work against them they like how the director is cool with jeff just hanging out just kind of watching the footage on the playback that the director is also watching okay so renee reaches to grab she's putting her arm through that metal gate that's touching the sarcophagus but underneath that we have a bunch of plugs that are plugged into this giant outlet which tips causing the water that's been basically standing water all around and I guess it's what like a can the metal is like a conductor and when she grabs it she gets electrocuted Cause she's grabbing the fence and it's just like just a lot it's just it's so sad and just the fact that jeff has is witnessing his mother's death just breaks my heart i guess they're trying to cut the power because we also see one of these standing lights on set just explode and sparks are flying everywhere it's just ugh. And I guess they can't really grab her while she's being electrocuted because in a way wouldn't that pass through to them and they themselves would get electrocuted. So now we're headed over to Chase's veterinary practice where sadly he is putting a old dog to sleep. And this is poor kid here it's just, you know, clutching, you know, his, his mother just like... And Chase, while he's doing this, is trying to provide... Words of comfort, like, hey, I know this is hard. He, he was an old dog. He lived a good life. He says, I know this is hard for you, but I think you've made the right decision. He was a very old dog. And then he adds, he had a good life. And then the secretary phones in with Dr. Matthews. Your son is on line one. So he goes, grabs the phone. It's like, hey, Jeff, what's going on? And that's where he gets the news. And we basically smash cut to Renee's funeral where the family is now in Ludlow. So we see Chase and Jeff at the funeral. Who are these five other people? Are they relation? Are they siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles? I, I, I can't tell. I mean, one guy looks old enough to be maybe either a father or an uncle or something to that effect. But the, who are the other? I just don't know. We also see onlookers 
behind the black velvet rope as well as reporters. All with their flash cameras out. We also cut to seeing Clyde and some redheaded friend of his as Yeah, I don't again, this heavier boy that's on the other side of Clyde at first glance, you think, oh, well, you wouldn't think that that's Drew. But I'm like, well, who is this kid? At one point, I thought maybe it was like they had cast the role of Drew and then they ended up getting someone else. But again, I don't think we see this kid again. Because Clyde is with the redheaded kid and then there's a taller brunette-haired boy who looks like a male version of Family Ties' Justine Bateman. <laughs> but what irritates me is, well, Jeff is mourning the death of his mother, which should be private, but because she's a big-time Hollywood actress, you gotta have your paparazzi, your journalists, your photographers, the point where they're even getting under the black ro velvet rope to get in close, on a closed casket, and the mourning of her, Renee's son and her estranged husband. And, and it's just, eventually, we we do meet Gus, who's the sheriff of Lalo, and he also has a couple other deputies with him to break up, like, hey, you need to show some respect. I get it, you need to get pictures for the paper you work for, but again, you need to respect that these people need to grieve in private and you get your cameras in their face and shoving microphones in their face to get a, a sound bite for the radio or whatever ain't helping them yeah you sound like show a little respect show a little respect and then we got this short-haired red-headed dude who's got a microphone literally right in chase's face oh can i get some words about how you feel about the death of your estranged wife or your wife, because I don't think they're officially divorced. And Gus, the only good thing about this guy, at this point anyway, him saying, hey, perhaps you didn't hear me. I said, you need to show some respect. And the guy immediately backs up, putting his hands like, okay, okay. It's like, yeah, back off. If they want to comment to you, they will find you. But you don't go sticking cameras and microphones in their faces. <laughs> Okay, so the niceties now of Gus are done. Because he gets, again, this is like the day of his wife's funeral. And here comes Gus saying, oh, you probably don't remember me, Chase, but I'm Renee's high school boyfriend. He even goes so far to later on tell Jeff, oh, we went to prom, homecoming, the whole nine, nine yards. We would have been married, but, you know. You know, I could have been your father. Like, or just, like, what? Dude, you're telling them to back off? Maybe you should. probably don't remember me, Chase. I'm Gus Gilbert, town sheriff. I remember you. I hear you're moving into the summer house. You plan on staying full time? just wanted to get my son Jeff out of L.A. Start things over. So, 
Gus is like, oh, hey, I hear you're moving into the summer house. What's a summer house? And he says the summer house. Like, is this supposed to be Renee's house that she grew up in or spent time in? Because this is her hometown of Ludlow. So I don't know what the deal is. And Chase is like, hey, Gus, look, I just want to get my kid out of L.A., okay? It's not the greatest environment for him to be in. So what he feels bringing his kid back to his dead mother's hometown will be healthy for him. So we see Jeff take a pink rose and put it on his mother's grave as it's being lowered into the ground. And the thing is, I had, you know, taped this off the TV back in, I would say, 90, maybe 98, 99, 2000, somewhere in my last few years of high school. And I didn't notice until I got the actual DVD, there is foot because of course when you're taping off, you know, TV's going to be, it's going to be edited heavily because it's on a network channel and there's going to be stuff that you're not going to see, whether it's language, scenes that are too violent for, to air on television. So it was a surprise to me. There are scenes that I just had never seen of this. It is like late fall. All the leaves on the trees are basically on the ground. So it's got to be, I would say it could even very well be like mid to late November. This is prime fall weather. Leaves are gone. Well, this is <laughs> majorly overcast. There's not, you can't see a ray of sun. It's a nice looking house though. I like that it's basically got a wraparound porch around it. And we see a moving truck. And then we see a lady with an umbrella and strawberry blonde, strawberry blonde hair and a yellow jacket. So a lot of the stuff that they have in this moving truck are Renee's belongings. And one of the movers asked, hey, we got six of these Renee boxes, Where these big wardrobe boxes. Where do you want them? And Chase was like, look, I get it. You want to hold on to your mom's stuff. I get that. And I totally understand it. But keep a box or two. And can we please just give the rest of Goodwill? I would have said if eBay existed, then you could put it on eBay. But that sounds kind of... Uh, but insensitive. Like, are you sure you want them all in the attic? I mean, we gotta walk all the way up there, and they're probably heavy as hell. That guy alone looks like he's huffing and puffing and struggling with the box that he's holding. Like, yeah, are you gonna go way the hell up there? Oh, He's like, hey, Jeff, why don't you, can we just, we'll keep the rest, all right? Just give the clothes to Goodwill. And Jeff's like, hey, I did not want to move here. That's all you. You're forcing me to move here. So we're keeping the clothes. So Chase pretty much is like, uh, the Renee boxes go in the attic. Thank you. So we have this lady who, I guess she's answering an ad for a housekeeper. It's you and your son. What the fuck do you need a, a housekeeper for? It's the damn 90s. This ain't Mr. Belvedere. This ain't who's the boss. And the sure as hell ain't different strokes. You don't need a fucking housekeeper. 
And this, I mean, Full House did not need a housekeeper because they had umpteen people living in that house. And not to mention, this guy's a vet. He's going to be away from the house a lot. And how much of a mess do you think your teenage son is going to do in that house? So, again, it's a nice house. Yeah, this is a great time to show up when people are moving to in. Uh, we got six of these big wardrobe boxes here. You sure you want them all in the attic? <laughs> Jeff, what do you say we give the clothes to Goodwill? We'll keep the rest, just the clothes. All the Renee boxes in the attic. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm Marjorie Hargrove, your new housekeeper. Babysitter for your 12-year-old son? <coughs> Is something wrong? No, Doesn't everybody? <laughs> I'm really excited to be working for you, Mr. Matthews. Well, we're glad to have you, Marjorie. It's my son, Jeff, and uh, you call me Chase. Marjorie Hargrove, Harper, whatever, the new housekeeper, they don't need a housekeeper, and the fact, she is like, literally could be Renee's long lost twin doppelganger, because she looks, that's why Chase is like, uh, he's speechless, she's looking at him like, uh, is there something wrong, and I, he's like, oh, no, I'm sorry, you just, you look different than you sounded on the phone. Doesn't everybody? A disembodied voice is not exactly always going to be how you picture them in your mind until you see them. Like, oh, you look different. Like, duh. <laughs> really? So, the guy who was hauling the damn bot, one of the other boxes up the stairs with, like, a dolly. And the guy's like, oh, that the wardrobe boxes go in the attic. And he's like, oh, what? Duh. And the thing just falls down the steps. Marjorie's like in its path. The box breaks open because they didn't tape it enough. And one of her dresses comes out. One that is just, it's really gaudy looking. But Marjorie is obsessed with Renee. Like she's followed her career. She's come all this way. This is her dream job. And she sees the dress. Like, oh my gosh! This dress is what she wore to the Emmys! And she's, like, holding it up to herself. And Jeff's like, hey, lay off. Don't touch her stuff. Okay? It made her crazy when people touched her stuff. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yeah. So we'll see how this works out. <laughs> uh, so, of course, Chase, now that he's in the new veterinarian in town, is going to be heading to the office because he's replacing the other veterinarian, which we get a little backstory from the librarian, the librarian, the veterinarian, excuse me. He's replacing the veterinarian who is in a taxidermy. We'll get to that later. And he's also got a mobile vet clinic in his van. So Jason's like, hey, Jeff, Jeff, why did I call him Jace? Jeff's like, hey, are you going somewhere? I want to go with you since I don't want to stay in this house by myself. That's the thing as a kid. It's like if someone's going somewhere, it's like, I want to go with you because you're going somewhere that isn't where you already are. I was the same way. Oh, you're getting groceries? I'll tag along. Oh, you're going, uh, oh, like driving around on the back roads? Sure, I'll jump in the passenger seat. I'm going to play with the radio stick, you know, that kind of stuff. Just because it was something to do and somewhere to go. Upon closer inspection of Chase's animal vet clinic on wheels, his mobile vet clinic, says round-the-clock animal doc. <laughs> The town of Ludlow does look kind of run down. There's also a water tower. There's also a sign that it says Priscilla's, I think it's like pantry or something. Chase and Jeff pull up right outside the animal hospital, which is a dilapidated looking gray brick building. So when they come in... Definitely cobwebs are all over the place. We see where the receptionist desk would be. There's also different sporting dogs wallpaper. It just, it looks, and even Jeff comments like, how long ago did this old other veterinarian retire? And Chase says, oh, well, I mean, it's been a few years. And Jeff says, uh, a few? <laughs> Looks like the guy, like, dashed and ran because there is shit all over, not, like, dog shit, but just junk all over the damn place. Like, he had to leave in a hurry or something, like, the feds were after him or something. Both Chase and Jeff have boxes of... They could very well be animal records, I'm guessing. Just stuff that he brought over from his clinic in California. Well, maybe it's not. I don't think it's animal records because I really don't think any of his patients are flying from California to Ludlow, Maine to see this doctor. Yeah, just like, well, how long ago did this guy retire? A few years. <laughs> yeah, right. So Jeff notices the hallway, which as he's walking down it, the lights overhead are flickering. He's like, oh, hey, what's back down this way? And his dad's like, oh, it, it, the kennels, I think, are in the back. If anything is more ominous, spells ominous, flickering overhead lights are a big indicator. There's also, as he's walking past, there's an examination room that's got an IV set up and... 
other equipment. Yeah, even as he's walking back there and seeing the kennels are just cobwebbed, like, I'm guessing then the guy must have left in 1989 when the Creed family, you know, happened. So, because if we go from that time to this time in 92, well, that could be explained the disarray and everything and just the uncleanliness of, ugh, bring down Marjorie. Maybe she'll want to help clean up because that looks like more than a two-person job. So he goes through some double-doored swinging doors. There's more kennels in the back. There's also, like, a metal pan I'm, i guess that would have had like some animal food because there's like animal food there. It's like great so you probably got like bugs and rats and shit all over the place <sighs> so as jeff is walking towards this box that's sitting up on one of the kennels it starts scratching and something's inside scratching and moving he is gonna get the scare of his life mother cat in there that leaps out like giving Jeff a real Ludlow welcome. Welcome to Ludlow. <laughs> Just jumps on him, knocks him to the ground, proceeding to knock the cardboard box over, which shows that there are four kittens. These kittens look to be probably about, I'd say, 10 to 12 weeks old. They're not like... They're not, like, eight to nine weeks old. They're, like, literally ten to twelve. They're and, and Chase right away is like, oh, wow, what happened? Are you okay? It's like, yeah, I just got spooked by a bunch of fur balls because he can see what we can't see at the point where there are four kittens in this box. So Chase is like, wow, great. So I guess I opened up an orphanage, too? Wonderful. And... <laughs> Jeff's like, well, I mean, if it's cool with you, I mean, can I have one of them? Because, you know, I mean, they're there. And why not? You know what? <laughs> and Chase makes a deal with him. Like, hey, man, if, if you clean up these kennels, like, get the cobwebs and stuff out of them, disinfect them, most likely would also be good, then you can have the... And he... He right away, like, knows the sex of these cat kittens without even barely looking at them. So, Jeff takes the box with the four kittens. The kitten he chose jumps out of the box, which leads us to meeting Zowie and 
Drew, short for Andrew, and Gus, the town sheriff. Husky. Thought it was lunch. How are you, Chase? You met my boy? No. Good. How are you, manners? Good looking dog. What's his name? Zowie. Zowie. Hey, what happened there, Zowie? Damn dog stuck his nose in on my rabbits. They ganged up on him. I doubt so it. That dog is dumber than a lobster bank. Hmm. Is he gonna be okay? I'm not really set up yet. Yeah, he's not even open yet. He doesn't have any stuff. He doesn't even want you to keep the dog. Facial lacerations, they'll heal up pretty quickly. Give you some antibiotic ointment for that. Bro, you listening? It's your dog. He has corneal abrasions, scratches on the surface of his right eye. These eye drops are going to help, but it's still going to take some time. So try to keep him away from those rabbits, huh? Thanks. Hey, Jeff. says, oh, so because the cat goes right up to the door and the door just opens. They must assume, like, oh, well, the new vet's in town because his van's here. Let's see if he's in. Because the Zowie needs some help. Uh, apparently he's been... Drew's got the... Drew. <laughs> Gus has this cage of rabbits that he sells for either pets or meat or what have you. And the dog just likes to hang around and try to get at them. So, of course, the, this dog is just, he's hes prey-driven, apparently. Because he's, I mean, he goes after that cat. And no wonder Drew can't control this dog. Because uh, he immediately gets out of Drew's grasp. And you just hear Gus saying, Drew, you better get a handle on your dog. Luckily, Chase is there, sees the commotion, the cat goes under the examination table, he grabs it, gives it to Jeff, and says, hey, take your cat. And I like how Chase, like, he's used to lifting large dogs up on the examination I mean, he had to do that with that old golden retriever. But he lifts the dog up, and... Because he immediately, right away, he sees something's going on with Zowie's eye. He's got some scratches near his nose and all that stuff. And it's like, what happened there, buddy? 
And Gus says, oh yeah, the dog, like, got after my rabbit. The rabbits are in a large outdoor cage. I mean, he ain't gonna get at them. But, because he, he's even, he's got a whole security system set up with this thing. He's <laughs> very protective of those rabbits. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Chase says, Drew, look, I'm not set up. I don't really, ha all I have is what I brought with me. He's got, and at least he's got antibiotic ointment. He's got some eye drops, stuff like that. And he even says, look, the dog's got some scratches on the surface of his right eye. The eye drops are going to help, but it's going to take a little time to heal. So please keep him away from the rabbits. Ugh. And Gus looks at Jeff and Jeff's holding the, the kitten, giving him the kiss on the head and all that. It's so adorable. Uh, Gus is like, oh, yeah, hey, Jeff, do you know your mom and I used to date in high school? Like, we went to prom, homecoming, all that stuff. I mean, technically, I could have been your father, but we didn't get that far. Um, <laughs> and the whole time, Chase is looking at Gus like, excuse me, my son doesn't need to know about my dead wife's history before me. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, because he's, like, petting the cat saying, oh, when I was a kid, I used to think, Gus used to think that cats were girls and dogs were boys, which, whatever. <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. Yeah, and he even tells, Chase, Chase even says, like, hey, um, we still, we got, like, three other girl kittens looking for homes. And <laughs> the way that Drew looks at Gus, like, Sure, you had to have known he was going to say, he don't even want you to keep your dog. And part of me thinks, like, he's had that dog, like, longer than Drew's mom has been married to Gus. Because you know that he would be like, I don't want the dog. You're not getting the dog. You know, that kind of thing. So, ugh. Apparently, they don't get many new students at Ludlow Junior High. Because, oh... You know, we got Chase dropping Jeff off. Jeff's grabbing his bike out of the uh, mobile pet mobile. <laughs> and everyone's kind of watching him like, oh, who's this new guy? Why the hell is Drew hanging out with Clyde and the other two cronies? He's even got a sign on the back, pink poster board, that says kittens free to good home. So has Drew kind of filled Clyde in on... Oh, yeah, that's Jeff. He's the new veterinarian son. I talked to him. Yeah, you know, I met him yesterday when the doctor veterinarian was looking at my dog. Like, they give a shit. Why would you bring your cat with you to school? Oh, my gosh. I mean, sure, as a kid, I thought, well, whatever. I'm like, you know, when I wait for the bus, my cat would be hanging around. And sometimes in the winter, she would, like, Crawl, he would like crawl into my the arm of my jacket or something. I like in the back of my mind like, hey, what if I got on the bus with the cat still there? Yeah, that wouldn't look. I mean, I did get to bring a cat to school for like show and tell. It was really funny because <laughs> for some reason I'm like, oh, I gotta give my cat a bath like an hour or two before I'm supposed to be there because my grandma had taken me. And I'm just, like, poor, poor cat looked like a drowned rat. I just felt so bad. And then, of course, my grandma would have to, had to take the cat back home. So this wouldn't have been the first time that I took. Also, I think it was my junior or senior year, one of them, where I took an animal science class and I brought my cat in for some project or something. It was a different cat, of course. Yeah. 
Clyde's like, oh, celebrity boy. And they're saying, oh, Mr. Hollywood. Jeff's sitting down. He's doing his best to, like, hide his cat inside his coat. That cat is going to piss and shit all over your coat. It is not going to stay in there the whole time. And we get the kid, the red-headed kid, one of Clyde's cronies, who's sitting directly behind Jeff. Like, hey, what's Hollywood like? Teacher's all like, settle down, sit down, shut up. Damn. You just see Clyde's face. Like, you know he's going to mess with him. Like, Compared to, again, comparing Jared Rushton to, I know he was in that movie with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell called Overboard, but I'd never seen it. But with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 89, and then Big in 1988, where he had red hair. He just, he looks like a fucking just mess in this movie. And it looks like he's in his early 20s. Like, how many grades have you failed? How many times have you failed? Like, sixth grade. Yeah, and Clyde right away starts calling him Junior. Like, oh, what's the hurry, Junior? Because class is over. That was the fastest day. Were they in that room the whole damn day? I mean, my gosh, they were there and then they weren't. And immediately, yeah, Clyde and his cronies are surrounding Jeff. Of course you're the new kid. Of course we have to fuck with you. That's just how it goes here in Ludlow. Where are you off to? And then you just see Drew, you see Drew just kind of hanging back. First day of school or something, because someone in the background was like, hey, do you know my locker combination? What? Now we see, and it looks like just like magazine TV guide. We remember Renee Hollow. It's not even done well, this tribute to her. A uh, magazine cover of Red Book, TV guide, Rolling, Rolling Stone. Okay. Well, no way in hell is he sincere when he's like, oh, sorry about your mom, huh? Papers said it was really gross, you know, getting fried like that. What the hell is wrong with you? He he did notice, Clyde noticed that Jeff's got that cat in his coat. He's like, oh, who you got there? And then the other guy's like, oh, when you bring a school, you're, uh, when you bring a friend to school, you're supposed to introduce them. Like, ugh. Is that kid? He looks like I've seen him in something, but I haven't. Yeah. What's the cat's name? Yeah. He says, "Oh, what's the cat's name, Junior?" And Jeff, you kind of thought of something a little more creative, like Tiger, because Clyde's like, "That's a real puss name for a cat." You couldn't come up with something better, more like original. Just because the cat's got stripes on it, like, oh, it's, it's great, it's got stripes, let's call it Tiger. Let's not. Even the cat's like, really, Jeff? Even it's like, don't you think that's kind of a pussy name for a cat? Yeah, and there's some I mean, of the cat's gender. just, can I hold her? It's a girl, right? Well, I mean, Gus did say when I was younger, I thought cats are girls and dogs are boys. Like, everyone's just, it's a, it's a girl, apparently. And... There we go. There's Drew just hanging back, watching it, you know, because he was the target before Jeff moved to town. So it's like, okay, I'm getting a break for once. It's like, oh, I promise I'll be real careful. So he's holding the, the cat and asks Jeff, have you ever seen a kitten run before? And Jeff's like, yeah. No, I mean, really run. And he ta Clyde takes off of the cat. You just see that uh, the two cronies run after Clyde, and there's Drew just shrugging his shoulders like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they used to kick my ass, but now you're here, so, <laughs> yeah. 
Sucks to be you, basically. replies like oh who you got there it's like whether Edward Furlong's wearing like one of those microphone things like it what clips your shirt or something to hear because you hear that purring like through this whole scene here manhandle that poor cat you're going <laughs> like dude I told you you should have left that cat back uh, back at the clinic they all run for their bikes, but Clyde's got a motorbike. Or maybe a little, it looks like a motor scooter, like an electric motor scooter or something. Oh no, he's got a regular bike. No, later on he's got like a mo motorcycle. Are they just grabbing random ass bikes that are just there? And they're, the bikes are there, they're not like locked up or anything. You don't gotta bother with a lock combination. So, as Clyde's right. They're riding their bikes. Clyde grabs the cat, pulls it out of its pocket, screams into its face, Are you having fun yet? Poor cat. That poor cat is, looks traumatized. So here we go. They go right past the old Creed house, which does not look anything like it did in the first movie. Why is the... It just looks like the, uh... The siding is yellow inside. I thought the house was white in the first movie. Like, it had white siding. They basically cut through the Creed yard. No one's living there, of course, to go to the pet cemetery. So, finally, Jeff gets to, he was so far behind the rest of them. It's like, hey, give me the cat, all right? And Clyde's like, oh, I mean, uh, I would, but there was a little accident. Cat was trying to get away, and, uh, it fell, and the head got caught in the spokes, and, uh, you know, what's left of it, it's back in the pet cemetery. So, red-headed crony here asks, hey, you heard about the Creed murders yet? Or the place where the dead rise. So these kids have been, I mean, again, this was like f three years ago. They're well, I mean, these kids probably all grew up there, so they've heard of the, the Creed murders. Yeah, this is basically goading him, like, just go down that path there, just down that little road. And Drew's like, hey, Clyde, just tell him where the cat is, okay? 
And Clyde turns on Drew saying, yeah, I told him where the cat is. Now shut up, dickwad. So Drew takes a step forward and Gus, uh, Gus, yeah, of course. Clyde's all, oh, what are you going to do? Calling Drew a fat ass saying, hey, what are you going to do? Sick, big, bad old Gus on me, your stepdad? My goodness, um, <laughs> it's like he's, uh, can see the future. Because Clyde says, hey, why don't you dig up your mom and, or calls her his old lady, like, dig up your old lady and bury her back there. Maybe if you pray real hard enough, maybe she'll come back. So, Jeff pulls back his arm and just punches Clyde right in the face. Clyde doesn't fall down or anything. He just goes and grabs Jeff, pulls him forward, gets him in a headlock, and starts just wailing on him. I mean, and Clyde is a hell of a lot bigger than this kid. This He's rolling around on the ground with Jeff like he's made of straw. Like, he's moving around a scarecrow. Oh, yeah, he, like, punches Jeff, like, three times in the face. Jeff just kind of lays there dazed for a minute. And then Clyde grabs Gus, like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to help him out. You're coming with us. Drew is the only one that's got a water bottle on his bike. Everyone, The other three don't. So Jeff walks into the pet cemetery and he finally does find his cat because his cat is like, meow, meow. His cat's in like a giant ass bird cage. I don't know if I want to go with you. stuff about people coming back to life. Nothing. It's just an old ghost story. Hey, let's get out of here. I agree. Actually, upon closer inspection, that birdhouse is not that big. So the fact that Clyde was able to get that cat through that tiny little entryway in the front of the birdcage is beyond me. I was surprised the cat didn't just take off like, you know what, Jeff, I think you're cool and all, but I don't want to end up dead, so I'm going to just peace out. Here comes Drew saying, oh, man, I, I've i never seen anyone punch Clyde before. Like, no one had the guts. And Jeff just looks at him and says, well, he pissed me off. He's talking about my mom, saying I should bury her in the pet cemetery. And have her come back. 
the wife or some shit. So, of course Jeff asked, like, what is that stuff about people coming back to life? And Drew tells her, like, hey, Jeff, don't, it's, it's just a ghost story. It's not even true. They've been talking about that for years. It's really, let's just get the hell out of here, because, uh, I don't want to spend any more time in a pet cemetery than I have to. Yeah, oh, yeah, and the fact that Drew says, you know, sometimes I wish Gus would die. And that should have tipped Jeff off. Because I don't know anyone that calls their parent by their first name. He's like, oh, you shouldn't say that about anybody, especially your dad. Your parents, especially your dad. And Drew corrects him, like, Jeff, Gus is my stepdad. Okay? It's like, I mean, this five minutes that Jeff spent in the presence of Gus probably wasn't a whole lot to really gain a perception on the guy. Okay, we gotta talk about this, because I don't know what is his deal. He's, like, in love with his rabbits. It's like he's getting off on watching these rabbits, like, fuck each other. Because we zoom in on one rabbit. They're all white rabbits, by the way, with, like, pink or red eyes, and this one rabbit's fucking this other rabbit because that's just what rabbits do. And he's got one of the rabbits out on his like, leg just above his knees, like rubbing the rabbit, and I'm just like, this is gross. <laughs> that poor rabbit just sits there and takes it. Ah, oh, this just reminds me of my rabbit when, before he was fixed. Just, ugh, my goodness gracious, I mean, ugh. you can see why they multiply so much. Look the smirk on his face watching this rabbit fuck this other rabbit. These aren't Angora rabbits, I mean, they're fuzzy, they're fluffy-ish white rabbits, but... What is with that heavy breathing for a He's got two, like, long wooden cages with chicken wire filled with these rabbits. He even has, like, an electrical current running through to keep the dog away from the rabbits. Yeah, apparently this is not the best setup because sparks are flying when he puts in that, that cord for the electrical current. Even the rabbits are like, huh, what? Okay, so now we're going back to Jeff and Chase's place. We got Marjorie here. So she's doing is pouring him coffee. I guess she's also making dinner because there's food on the stove. On this old-ass, ancient, harvest-gold-looking stove. Yet they got a double-sided, like, white cream fridge. Cream white fridge. So Jeff comes in and chases all like, Hey, how was school today? And he's like, well, it sucked. Doesn't really elaborate any further than that. Marjorie is really making herself too much at home. Like, I can see why Jeff gets irritated. Thank you. I was school today. Sucked. I hate first day of school is always the hardest. You're not my mother. Ooh, okay. Jeff. I don't think this meant anything, but I have a damn. Jeff? 
All right, so now we're going over to Gus and Drew's house where we actually meet Drew's mom, Amanda. There's a hockey game going on. We got Drew hanging out with Zowie, just, you know, giving him a good old scruff on the face. And Gus is all like, oh, Drew, I didn't, I don't believe I invited the dog in for dinner, so what the hell's it doing in here? And Drew is really trying to play on Gus's sympathy. Dude, you know this man. You think he, he doesn't even want that dog. You think he wants it in the house? It's like, just until he heals up. It's like, no, get him out of here. So, Drew's last name is Gilbert. So, I'm guessing that Drew just was adopted by Gus after he, after Gus and Amanda got married. Okay, well, he's really getting off on watching those rabbits because right away, as soon as Drew is out of the house letting Zoe outside, or Zowie, or whatever, Gus comes up right behind Amanda, who's pulling something out of the oven, by the way. And he comes up behind her and just starts rubbing up against her ass with his crotch. And I'm just like, dude, even Drew, when Drew comes in and sees Gus doing that, he slams the door so hard. Well, and the way that he's reacting to him, you'd think, like, Gus and Amanda weren't married. There's a bedroom for that stuff. I mean, I get it if you didn't have the kid there, what have you. But, yeah. So you're... <laughs> Come on. So, Drew was sitting, like, at the kitchen table, but he's still, he's still in view of the hockey game. So Gus sits down in front of Drew, blocking his vision from the TV. And he says, you're breaking the law, Drew. Said, Why can't they not keep their name straight? Drew, you're breaking the law. Turn it off. And he even says how your mom spent a lot of time making this dinner. I'm like, I doubt she did, but I get it. I mean, I, I grew up doing that, though. We watched TV whilst we ate. That's just what you did. Sunday nights, when I was, you know, we would, you know, when I was like 10, 11 years old and into my teen years, Sunday night was always Chef Boyardee pizza in a box. And we'd always eat at the coffee table in the living room. We'd watch what was ever, you know, on television. But during the rest of the week, for Monday through Friday pretty much, we would eat at the table in the, in the kitchen. Saturdays, we would go up to the farm my grandparents place because my grandma would be making like hamburgs on the stove with a you know a bowl of chips and usually if you wanted bread it was like a couple slices of bread it wasn't actually a hamburger bun or anything which I mean it's still good it was still good she spent the last hour cooking oh I was gonna say well yeah I mean honestly they're not even sitting down to eat, so what the hell? It don't really matter unless you're finally, you're all down at the table sitting there eating. Then I'd say, yeah, turn it off. You can catch the highlights later. So, like, girl, stop being a jerk and show your mom some appreciation. She's not even sitting at the table, no matter, whatever. This guy's really hard on Drew. I get why Drew would just Gus would die. And Amanda's like, Gus, it really doesn't bother me. I'm cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's like she made a roast or something. Drew takes the remote and, like, I don't know whether he's turning the volume up or he's trying to, like, pretend to turn Gus 
off with the remote. But he sees that Drew sees, I guess, is not fucking with him. Like, dude, turn it off now. I'm not joking. There, oh my, what? Is he got a fetish with white rabbits or what? There's a white rabbit, like, ceramic rabbit that I don't know whether it's holding a fake flower in it or what, but there's also a glass bottle of what looks like possibly ocean spray. Which, I don't think, I mean, it looks like you got some fruits and vegetables there in a dish, too, but I don't know. Usually, honestly, if I wasn't having, you know, pop at dinner, which mainly that's my go-to, I would probably have milk I usually only have around breakfast time or late at night. He is a right away flat, flat, fat shaman. He's only taking two damn pieces! Oh my gosh! Because, like, not that much appreciation, Drew. I thought we were going to tone down your flabby ass. And Drew looks at Gus and says, Well, I'm sorry I'm not the hot-ass stud you are. <laughs> I mean, hello? He's hungry, okay? My gosh, there's plenty of food to go around. And the fact that Amanda has to act like the damn mediator between these two. Because Drew smarts off to Gus saying, Hey, I'm so sorry I'm not, the, I'm not the stud you are. And Amanda breaks in like, okay guys, knock it off. That's enough. So Gus leans into Drew and says, you better watch your mouth, Drew, buddy. I'll take that hay and shove it right back down your throat. <laughs> like, damn. Ugh. Kennebago County. Apparently that's where Ludlow is. He just basically takes, I guess there are three pieces on Drew's plate, but he takes both, Gus takes both of them, so it's like he just gets one. Screw you, dude. There's plenty to go around. Jeff's watching one of his mom's old movies, and Chase comes in and says, Hey, Jeff, are you doing all right? Are you okay? And Jeff, instead of answering, just asks, 
do you think mom and you would have gotten back together? You know, I mean, if she hadn't died. And Chase says, well, yeah, I definitely think that. I definitely think so. And you, f you really feel for Jeff because he says, I, I still can't believe she's dead. It's like, yeah, you spent all your 12, 13 years of your life with someone and then just all of a sudden it's like life can just end in like a split second. how Chase comforts Jeff by putting a hand to his his cheek and just kind of rubbing his cheek like I'm here for you and I I know you're going through a really hard time and it's just like I, I just I like that and I gotta say I love the inside of their house just the the wood paneling just not that kind of wood paneling that we grew up with in the 80s because this is in 92, but it's almost like, and it's not log, it's like, I don't know whether it's like cedar wood or something, but it just, it almost has like, like a ski lodge feel, you know, like, like you're out, like cabin in, in the woods, like that kind of, yeah, so apparently the rabbits are $10 a piece, or I guess with it being alive, <laughs> Jeez, Zoe cannot keep away from those damn rabbits, even with the electrical current running through it. So, Gus and Amanda are banging upstairs, and, of course, Zoe going after Gus's rabbits does not make him happy. So, he goes, hurriedly gets dressed, grabs his shotgun, because he's going to take Zoe out. And he's like, that dog is dead. That dog is history. And he's like pounding on the floor with his foot like, hey, Drew, you hear me? You're, I'm going to kill your dog. So from what I'm gathering here with the motif that they have, they have like, um, I don't know if it's the Virgin Mary maybe, but there is a picture right above Amanda and Gus's headboard. And there also was, like, praying hands, like, a little, like, mini, it almost looked like na a napkin holder to hold napkins, like, bookends of, you know, praying hands. Drew has already got his sleeveless vest jacket on when Gus comes down. Like, he is ready to chase after Zowie. And Gus has got, he's got, he's got a scope on his gun, so even though Zowie takes off, he still manages to shoot Zowie. And then poor Gus has to go looking for his dog in the dark, and of course finds that he's been shot, and sadly dies. 
Oh, this just breaks my heart. Yeah, and, and Drew's even pleading with Gus. Just don't shoot him. Don't shoot my dog. And Gus was like, oh, what, Drew? What did you say? As he and just shoots poor Zowie. Because you hear the dog yelp. And then Amanda comes out with her robe on, being all like, Gus, seriously, what have you done? And then Gus is all like, hey, look, I told him about the dog. I told him I did not want the dog going after my rabbits. He's not got... You got an electrical current running through that cage, so the rabbits are fine. He's not going to be able to get to them. If anything, he's getting an electric shock, even going up to that metal enclosure. Yeah, Drew finds Zowie, and he lifts Zowie's head to put, you know, kind of balance it on his on his knee there to support him. And it's just, it breaks my heart. I mean, my goodness. This is his only best friend, is this dog. Now, the one person he hates most in the world, and even now makes that hate even more so, by shooting his beloved dog. And you just, you hear and see Drew crying. You get the close-up shot on Zowie's face. And it's just, oh, that poor dog. And by the way, Zowie is an adorable-looking dog. He definitely is, he's got to be pure, like, practically pure husky. Because he's also got, like, the black on top running down. But he's, he's mainly white. So, Jeff goes... Searching for Drew, meets him at this old church where Drew is. Because just like, hey man, I was just riding by your house. What What's going on? What's with the shovel? And Drew tells Jeff, I I have to bury my dog. Gus shot Zowie. Zowie's dead. So Jeff and Drew are in the pet cemetery and just kind of looking around like, okay, it looks like there's a little, not a whole lot of space to choose from. Where should I start digging? And Drew tells Jeff, no, we're not going to do it here. We're going to go up there. Some There's a better place through the bog. Like, uh, we got to climb over these logs and ignore the keep out sign, too. So, well, and the thing is, we have... And Drew, like, his sleeveless vest coat just covered with blood from Zowie. And he's holding, you know that what Drew is holding is a fake as hell. Whoever did the um, stuffed work on this fake dead Zowie, boo, 
Boo! There's like hardly any. There's like the like the upper half looks partially, but then the rest of it is like they ran out of stuff, and it's just like, ugh. He's got like toothpick legs or something. What in the world? the old Indian burial ground how he wants to bury Zowie there and just like Drew you said this story is kind of bullshit okay it's an old ghost story you said so yourself and Drew is so convinced like no what if it's not bullshit though what if I bury him there and he comes back he'll be just like his old self I mean seriously it could work and Jeff is like Drew, look, man, I know your dog died, but please get a grip on reality. You are freaking me the hell out right now. And Drew is like, undeterred. It's like, no, seriously, if it were a one in a million shot that this could actually work and he would come back, don't you think you would want to try that? And it's like, well, what else? You, you see them like crawling up this like cliffside and it's just, they're carrying the stuffed dead dog. Oh, this is the fakest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's about as fake as the rat that Lewis steps on in the first movie when he gets out of the tub. I mean, I don't know what looks worse. So Jeff's looking around. He's got the shovels. Like, look, can we get this over with so we can just get out of here? And... Drew makes Jeff promise, like, hey, look, if this doesn't work, you cannot tell anybody I did this, okay? You have to promise me. And Jeff's like, yeah, okay. So Jeff asks Drew, like, hey, do you need any help digging the hole? And Drew tells Jeff, you have to bury your own. That's the way the Indians did it. It's kind of like a rule. What if Jeff were to bury like dig the hole and bury Zowie. Would it change anything? I don't know. So Drew starts digging and Jeff's just kind of sitting there for, you know, moral support, basically. You see Zowie in the hole as dirt is being shoveled on top of him. Drew then proceeds to put a bunch of like sharp looking stones, big like slabs of concrete on top of the grave. And I know they're in Maine and Jeff's wearing, like, a, it's like a letterman's jacket, but it's not tied to, like, any school. Drew's wearing that puffy, sleeveless vest jacket. And I'm just thinking, gosh, it must be so cold there. I mean, it's Maine, it's fall. Ugh. Plus, it's overcast. There's no sun to be seen whatsoever. Instead of like, okay, the job is done, let's get out of here, they're gonna sit and chat, and apparently they both are start chomping on, they have like gum, in, both of them, they have gum in their mouth or something, because they start like chewing these giant, like, 
Bubblelicious Hubba Bubba wads of gum. It's like they took the bubble tape and shoved it all in their mouth and started chewing on a giant wad of gum. Where'd the gum come from? Because literally, they weren't doing that a moment ago. Oh, bury my dog. How about we chew some gum? So Drew tells Jeff, I never had anyone die before, but I guess you get over it. I'm like, you're sitting next to somebody who just within a week ago lost his mother and his entire life changed. Because Jeff's like, no, no, you don't ever get over it. It looks really foggy up there. Jeff is like, look, maybe we should get out of here, huh? I don't. There's no reason to stick around. We did. You did what you needed to do. Let's please just go. But as they're walking away, Drew turns and says, so long, Zowie. So, of course, it's dark, uh, well, not pitch black, but Drew is walking down the middle of the road, and there's Gus. So, Gus pulls off to the side of the road, and Drew walks up to the driver's side door, and Gus is like, hey, Drew, you want to get in? And then he says that Drew skipped school. I thought it was a weekend. I thought it was like a Saturday or a Sunday or something that they did this. No, they both skipped school so he could bury his dog. So, yeah, he's like, your mom's pretty sick about you. You take off in the middle of the night. You don't show up for school. This is asking, like, what are you trying to prove? And Drew tells me, I'm not trying to prove anything. I was burying my dog. You know, the one you shot last night? Yeah. So all Gus has to say to that is, 
Life is full of lessons, buddy. No one's above him. Not you and not me. Not only does Gus rule that town with an iron fist of being so law-abiding, that's pretty much how he runs that household. Where did Amanda find this guy? I mean, my gosh. It's a station wagon police vehicle. Interesting. So, we see the rabbits sleeping, and then we hear this growling sound. We also hear those bells on the side of the rabbit's cage jingling. Apparently, Zowie's growling is so loud outside that Amanda's woken up by it. Oh, this is one powerful dog. I mean, even his scratching at the door is loud. Even after I'm sure Drew came home and told Amanda, oh, I was burying Zowie, she starts calling for him like, oh, maybe Drew made a mistake. Maybe the dog's alive. She starts whistling for him, and then she's like, oh, I guess he's not here. Turns around and then just screams. Zowie looks a bit, he's very dirty. He's just covered in dirt, of course, because he was buried and his eyes are glowing red. That's creepy. I don't know what time this is, but Drew's not even asleep. He's just lying on his bed with his headphones on. And we got Gus and Amanda, like, banging on his door, like, open up the door. It's like, oh, what did I do now? And Gus right away is like, hey. Where do you get off telling a lie like that? I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm burying my dog. I'd be like, yeah, I did bury him. And then Drew looks down, sees Zowie there, who walks right over to Drew. It's any other day. He's got a lock, like a lock on his door. He's also into comic books, too. And he's got a dartboard on the... Wait, that's a poster of a dartboard. quarters that is still just ooze it's just really nasty so of course he gets grounded because Gus is all like Drew you lied you said you're burying your dog your dog is clearly still alive just covered in dirt just really you need to give that dog a bath um so Amanda says Drew I'm going to call the vet she calls the vet Chase comes out with Jeff. They got the mobile vet clinic set up to go check the dog. Try to get a heartbeat. Can't get a heartbeat. And the fact that 
did. Chase is all like, Jeff, can you give me a hand, like, helping me lift the dog onto the examination table? And Jeff's like, uh, uh, no, uh, no, 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 <laughs> you're on your own, Dad. <laughs> Chase, of course, has no idea, like, how, what happened to your dog? Andrew says, oh, yeah, some psycho got trigger happy, basically. He, he basically was shot. I said the rabbits all ganged up on him and started, like, chewing on him. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, clearly, I mean, that's... I don't know. Hey, Joe. Mm -hmm. Jeff, why don't you give him a hand, huh? Mm, no. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe. He's not even wearing gloves. How do you use gloves? There you go. Right out. Right out. There you go. 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 you you Yeah, sure. Maybe you just say it's going to take him home. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't dead when we buried him. He was dead. I know he was. Oh no, the thing about the heartbeat comes later, so... Jeff thinks, you know, maybe he wasn't dead when we buried him. And Drew says, Jeff, he was dead. You know he was dead. It's like rigor mortis had set in. You see how stiff that dog was when I was carrying him? He was, he was very much dead. <laughs> I mean, Lewis Creed thought the same thing when he buried his cat shirt. Well, his daughter's cat shirt. Like, maybe he oh, maybe it wasn't dead when we buried it. Like, well... If they're stiff as a board, there's a reason. So, we go back to Jeff and Chase's house. And we just see the adorable kitten just laying against a pillow, all curled up. Oh, so sweet. Nothing happens to this cat. Spoiler. Nothing. I was just thinking, if we had Zowie and we had Cujo in a battle... Who would win? Undead versus rabies. So, Jeff, he falls asleep quick because all of a sudden there's a rocking chair and we see what's supposed to be a woman. with. We hear her calling his name. This is creepy. It's like a woman in a rocking chair with, I'm guessing, Zowie's head on top. This is so weird. He's still got a moving box in his room. Like, dude, unpack your crap. This is, I don't know how much money they had for a budget for this film. And I get it. It wasn't a huge, wide release. But good grief. Jeff wakes up screaming. Yeah, I think he wakes up, but he doesn't. So it is his mom. He's got his arm outstretched. And it's like his bed moves farther and farther away. And she says, I'm waiting for you. There he wakes up screaming, Mom. And 
Chase was right about saying I'm gonna bring Zowie home because there's Zowie sitting in the rocking chair. And I was like, why are you blaming Jeff? He didn't bury you. Drew did. He was, although Jeff brought the shovel. Dog doesn't go after the cat at all. So now it's the next day and Chase is removing the, the dressing and it's just, Zowie's not healing, so... Chase goes to check for a heartbeat, wondering why the dog's not, why does the dog not have a heartbeat? Drew's like, oh, is he going to be okay? And Chase's like, I, I really don't know. I can't answer that question right now. Oh, this is three days. This isn't the next day. It's been three days. Chase says, well, his immune system should have responded by now. This should be healing, and it's not. And he says, I'm not getting a heartbeat when he goes to listen. Jeff looks at Drew like, what the hell? He even asks him later, like, okay, why doesn't he t have a heartbeat, Drew? The dog is clearly alive. Why does it not have a heartbeat? And Drew says, hey, I don't know. I've not done this before. Maybe it takes a while. But Chase just shocks us up to, you know, it, it may be just so weak, it's just not registering on the stethoscope. So Chase is going to draw some blood and see about maybe sending that to another veterinarian to check out. So I'm guessing the guy doesn't have all of his equipment to be able to do this stuff. Like he's got to send it to a lab to be tested or something like that. I don't know. Um, do most doctors, when they're handling animals, do they wear gloves? It's been a while since I've been to an actual vet with my cat because now she requires at home care um but i would think for sanitary purposes especially when you're dealing with blood and bodily fluids from a sick animal you would want to wear gloves and protect yourself is he gonna be okay it's been three days immune system should have responded by now. I'm not getting a heartbeat. It must be so weak, it's just not registering. Jeff is fixing for it, huh? Looks like they cleaned up those kennels. They must have gotten new ones. Listen, why doesn't he have a heartbeat? Maybe it takes a while. <laughs> Put a giant lock on there. Or at least you'd like to think he can't get out. These kittens are still there. Alright, so it is Halloween. <laughs> so Chase is coming out of his veterinary practice. It's dark out. 
And you got these kids, like, coming up to him, like, Happy Halloween, Dr. Matthew. Trick or treat, Mr. Matthew. <laughs> Mr. Matthew, I feel like this is Boy Meets World. So, the police station is, like, two doors down from the veterinary practice. How convenient. So, this guy named Ralph brings his two kids up. And they say trick or treat, they got bags. So, is he handing out candy? Because... I didn't see him with candy to hand out to the kids. So now we go to Drew, Gus, and Amanda's place. And Drew is dressed like a vampire. He looks like that, um, what was his name? Little Eddie from, um, from the Munsters. <laughs> so adorable. She even puts black lipstick on his and she says, you got to be home by 10 because if Gus finds out I let you go because you're supposed to be grounded, he's not going to be happy. Drew does a Transylvanian accent. I will drink his blood or something to that effect. So she also has white face paint on Drew's face to make him more vampirish, I guess. Oh, that's not black lipstick. That's like a kind of a... Like a darker red. I, I get it. So Drew's like, Mom, it's cool. All right, don't worry. I'll be home. It'll be fine. They decide to have Halloween, like a little campfire inside the pet cemetery. To me, it looks like the pet cemetery sign got a makeover because it's Almost looks like like a black sharpie or like paint or something. So we got Drew as Dracula, and then we have Jeff as Jason Voorhees. He's wearing a hockey mask, and then out of nowhere comes this flying doll, inflatable doll-looking thing with a blonde wig. Jeff is really going through. Because he, he, he thinks this is his mother at first. But no, it's just a, a cruel joke that Clyde and his friends are playing on him. Is it just me or does Jeff scream and yell a lot? Is this like their whole damn grade? There's like 10 or 12 kids here, including Clyde, Drew, and Jeff. And the two crony kids that are... Clyde's friends. Alright, Gus is back earlier than expected. He must have run out of something. I think he runs out of cigarettes. And Amanda's getting all up in his grill. Like, rubbing up on him. Because he even asked, like, where's Drew? She's like, well, he's in his room. And you know, she's like holding the beer and everything. And he's like, yeah, right. Basically, because he goes over uh, and Drew is not there. So it's like, damn it, you wanted me to be a father to that kid. And every time I try to lay down the law, you let him break it. Just do whatever he wants. So yeah, apparently, yeah, as soon as he walks in the door, she's down the stairs in a robe and like her satiny nightgown with a beer in her hand like trying to just she's basically trying to distract him 
from learning that Drew is not there when he's supposed to be grounded. And she, when he asks, like, where is your son? She says, Pet Cemetery. So, apparently it's the local hangout for the teenagers on Halloween. Stupid. Drew? Nope, he's not. God damn you, man. You want me to be father of that boy, and every time I lay down the law, you let him break it. But where is he? Where is your son? That's What? definitely has some it's definitely 90s with the guitar riffs and everything compared to the first one now Clyde of course is telling as they all have referred to as a ghost story about Lewis Creed now he's digging up Gage and burying him above the pet cemetery and all this stuff and then he's also mentioning about Ellie Creed who is the only surviving member of that family, that they put her in the psych ward because she was having visions and supposedly she went nuts and she killed her grandparents with an axe and everything. And it's just like, oh my gosh, really? Like that family hadn't been through enough. Because I believe if you haven't seen the original... Pet Cemetery. I haven't read the book. I do have it. I do plan to read it at some point. But according to the end of the movie, doesn't she end up killing Lewis? And then what is she? Well, the remake has all three of them, including Lewis, dead. And then poor baby gay, spoiler alert, is stuck, locked in the car as Lewis, Ellie, and Rachel come upon him. So basically, they're going to just turn this poor baby into the undead as well, just like them. Ugh. That movie was a piece of shit. And if you like it, cool. But I was just like, what the hell? That old Lewis was one sick puppy. <laughs> Digging up little Gage. Maggots pouring out of the dead kid's eyes. Ellie Creed was the only one that lived. And one night, she freaks out. Hacks up the grandparents with an axe. Police found her licking the brains off the blade. Threw in the psycho ward. All she could say were two words. Pet cemetery. Here's the best part. Two nights ago, she escapes. Man. I hope she doesn't show up here. Shit. We wouldn't even recognize her. Not if she was wearing a costume. She could be one of us. Oh my god! Get 
Yeah, right, you know they are. Thanks for screwing up our Halloween dumb shit. If you will go party somewhere else. Shit, you get out of here, Jeff Matthews. It's between me and my boy. Damn. I warned you, buddy. You broke the law. Now you have to learn a lesson. What the hell is he gonna do? Whack him with a giant... I feel like I just saw Cujo rip apart uh, Joe Camber's friend Gary. Um, <laughs> yeah, guess comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clyde's telling the story. It's fucked up. The story's clearly not even true. He's just trying to get a rise out of all his Halloween. Let's tell a spooky story. And then, of course, he's like squinting. Because he's like, oh, Ellie Creed, like, escaped the psych ward. She could be here tonight. She could be one of us. We wouldn't even recognize her if she was wearing a costume. And he squints because he sees somebody coming. He's like, oh, my gosh. And then he's like, oh, it's Drew's dad. It's Gus. And, of course, the fact that Gus is all, you boys better not be drinking. Like, you know they are. And in a mad scramble because they got a fire there. Someone kicks over an old lantern. Also, you know, alcohol, of course, is going to make things burn even more. So, Gus tells Drew to beat it. Like, hey, this is between me and my boy. He ain't your boy, okay? He's your stepson, if that. And he grab, pulls, like, a big old, like, cross stake out of the ground. When he's going to, I don't know, do, do what? He Yeah, he basically punches Drew in the face. Knocks him down, says, I warned you, now you're going to have to be taught a lesson. Pulls this giant wooden cross stake out of the ground. And he's going to do what? Beat Drew to death with it? My good grief. Luckily, Zoe comes to the rescue and attacks Gus and pretty much, like, rips out his jugular. So, Gus is now dead. And the thing is, I kind of see where... Lewis would bury you. He said his son died and everything. You know, he wanted to bring him back one way or another. They didn't have to do this to Gus. <laughs> they did not. You don't even like this guy. Why would you want to bring him? They're just worried they're going to get in trouble. Oh, mom's going to kill me if she finds out. You didn't kill Gus. You didn't lead him there. He just happened to find you there. You're not responsible. Granted, I mean, someone else was like, yeah, but if they hadn't buried Zoe... Or Zowie there, it, it Gus would still be alive and all this shit. I don't know. This is so Zowie is being so Cujo esque right now. Remember in Cujo where he takes one last look at Brett before he leaves, almost like a final goodbye or something. Zowie is doing the same thing with Drew.
Well, he looks dead to me. I mean, he got his jugular ripped out. I don't know how you'd survive that. Oh, man, Jeff. You killed him. You didn't kill shit. You didn't kill him. Sure. Yeah, and look how well that turned out. Okay, I gotta say this. It is pitch black out there. The only thing that's even illuminating anything is that fire. They gotta take it up to the Micmac burial ground. So did they wait till morning? Because it is light out when they dump his body. And I'm guessing... Because how druid said when he buried Zowie, would you have to bury your own? He's not technically your father. I mean, I guess unless if he adopted you, maybe, but... Yeah. How in the hell? Now it's still pitch black out. How the hell is this sense of timing? Of course, when Drew gets home, you know Amanda's pissed as hell. Like, wondering, like, where the hell have you been? Gus is out looking for you. Did he even find you? Did Gus ever find you? Oh God, what happened to you? Nothing happened, Mom. We just ditched Gus, that's all. Yeah, he's like covered in dirt. Just like, he looks like he was really roughed up. And she, Amanda looked at him like, what the hell? you and he's like nothing happened we just ditched God. he is like exhausted i can imagine he says we just ditched Gus. that's all like can i please go to bed i'm exhausted oh by the way i'm not going to school tomorrow um <laughs> oh boy yeah here comes jeff rolling and you know that chase is not going to stand for this he even says he's been putting up uh, with a lot from jeff and given the fact that yes your mother just died you know with your shitty attitude towards me and towards, um, what's-her-face, Marjorie, and the fact that he's basically staying out all night. And Chase says, hey, look, I put up with a lot from you these last few weeks, but I'm not going to stand for crap like this. He even says the other boys were home by this time. Where the hell were you boys? And Jeff says, like, Dad, look, I know you're pissed off, okay, but I'm so tired. I really just want to go to bed. Can we deal with this tomorrow? And Chase says, yeah, sure. I thought he said the boys were, the other boys were back by like 10 or 11. And he even says it's a school night. It's like, well, he ain't going to school the next day. I doubt. You been drinking? Drew's mom called hours ago. The other kids were back by 10. Where the hell were you, boys? Just out. Just out. Hold it. 
these past few weeks, but I will not stand for crap like this. I don't care if it's Halloween. It's a school night. Don't you ever do this again. Halloween, it's a school night. Don't you ever pull this crap again. And, and just like, dude, I mean, again, this is 92. Kids weren't running around with cell phones. And even if they had cell phones, who's to say they would have had any reception in the woods? Wow, that's fast. Um, we see the window right above um Jeff's head and we got Gus out there just kind of peering in just like oh, all spooky looking and there's not shit there because this must have been in Jeff's mind because he like quickly opens his eyes like startled out of a dream he's holding the kitten the kitten was able to sit still or lay still long enough for him to wake up from a nightmare wow I take it this tiger kitten is Jeff's emotional support kitty cat is just like it's like trying to get away like okay i've had enough and we got drew still dressed in his vampire dracula outfit and is trying to sleep and then we just hear gus's voice calling for drew say hey i lost my keys door and then he turns he's like literally staring right at Gus Gus just you see his open wound just like Zowie just it's and he, it's raining out dripping wet and he's like oh I found my keys it's just as like Gus 2.0 comedic Gus so he's upstairs taking off his belt of bullets and everything like that and Amanda thinks everything's fine. Like, oh, I'm sorry about what happened last night. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes to get in bed with her, still with his clothes on. And he basically rapes her. 
Because she's like, gosh, you're as cold as ice. He's putting, like, a gauze pad and gauze around his neck. It's like, dude, you need to get that bloody shirt off. I mean, the shower's running. Like, dude, jump in the shower. Unless he already has. Which doesn't make sense because he's still, like, got his bloody shirt on. Oh, she, she pleads with him to come to bed and he just gives this look on his face. Oh, yeah, that belt had his bullets and gun attached to it. That's the rain outside. I thought the shower was going on. It's like, dude, you still have the light on in your bathroom. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and she notices, like, what is wrong? You're bleeding. What's wrong with you? And she also says, oh, good grief, you're cold as ice. Well, he is dead. She says, oh, you smell bad. What did you get yourself into? Yeah, it's like, the fuck? So, Jeff and... Drew meet, and we get a uh, Drew's version of what happened when Gus came down for breakfast. Saying he gives me an extra helping of pancakes. I ask you if I'm grounded, still grounded, and he's like, Nope, everything's cool. He's so excited, it's like Jeff, it's like we're finally like we're a real family. <laughs> it's so nice. Uh, I can tell you right now, it's not gonna last. a word he just kind of sits there and like nods to me heck he even smiles and he just feels like oh it feels like we're a family like a real family so here we go with this that blood that chase drew from dead zowie zowie 2.0 dead zowie um there's a message on the answer machine when he gets to the veterinary office. And um, the guy's like, can you give me a call back? I got something to say. Something about the blood sample that he had given to him. Feels like a real shining moment with the twin girls. Like, oh, it's twins. Resmond, it's Matthews. Matthews, was it your idea of a joke to send me blood from a dead animal? I didn't get that. I said next time it might be a good idea if you take a blood sample while the animal is still alive. Rodman, can you just give me the lymphocyte count? It's novel. 
There's nothing here to indicate that the animal died from an immune deficiency. Died, died. There's some kind of mix-up here. This dog is alive. Not this dog. The cells are completely deteriorated. You took over for Yolanda, right? Yeah, why? Because the last person that sent me blood from a dead animal was Yolanda. This is not blood from a dead animal, Rudman. Oh, shit. Well, those kittens are no more. Oh, my God. My children are traumatized. Way to go, dick. How do you get it? He's got super dog strength? He, like, stretched out the bars to, like, climb out of there? Ugh, well, those kitties are dead now. Yeah, he calls this Dr. Rudmond, who's like, why did you give me blood from a dead animal? And Chase is all like, hey, look, <laughs> the dog is very much alive, okay? I drew the blood myself while it was breathing, even though I couldn't get a heartbeat. And Dr. Rudman's like, really, there's no thing, nothing to indicate this dog is actually alive. alive. Its cells are deteriorated. And he even says, you took over for Yolanda, right? Yeah, he was the last person to send me blood from a dead animal. So Chase is going to go and see this Yolanda character. Because he starts bringing up about the Creed Cat Church. And how... And the guy, I guess, is now into taxidermy. Whether he stuffs people's pets for a living for them... Which, alright. So, Drew, it looks like Drew and Jeff are at school. They're on their bikes. And Clyde's like, oh, hey, how's it going, losers? You guys don't even dignify that with the response. Like, go fuck yourself, Clyde. And Crony 1 and Crony 2. Yeah, and this lady with her two twin blonde-haired daughters comes in. Like, oh, we saw your sign. Do you have any kitties left? There's like three of them at one point. Now there's nothing there because Zowie broke out of his cage somehow and just ripped those poor kittens to just shreds. And these poor girls are going to be traumatized forever because even the mother's like, oh my gosh, it looks at him like, is this a sick joke? What the fuck? So Chase lets the boys know because Jeff's like, oh, uh, real quick, can I spend the night at Drew's house? Is that cool with you? And Chase says, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, about Zowie. I don't know how, but he got out. If he happens to come by your place, please give me a call. I don't care what time of day it is, what time of night, just call me and I will come get him. Can I spend the night over at Drew's house tonight? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Listen, guys, I got the test back on Zowie, and he's not well. That's an understatement. Don't ask me how, but he's gotten out. So if he finds his way home, I want you to call me. Whatever hour, okay? Sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. So this uh, guy here, uh, Yolanda, is out in the fucking wooded boonies, like, so damn far out of, he's not even in Ludlow anymore at this point. And Chase is going to get schooled in 
why the f basically he's like you want me and my advice you get in your car you get your kid you get the fuck out of that town because he also brings up more history about the creed family and that town is just it's a shithole it should just cave in on itself it's a cursed town nothing good came from staying there why do you think i got out Sample, an analysis, and they told me that the blood was from a dead animal. You might as well come in. <coughs> Why are you bothering me with this? Can't you just let it be? The pathologist, he said that you had a similar incident with the, the cat. Creed cat. That's right. The bastard's name was Church. Now let me guess. Your dog's tissue isn't <laughs> healing. Uh, pupils aren't dilating. Maybe you can't find a heartbeat. Exactly. I thought it was some kind of blood condition, but I... <laughs> There's no blood condition. The dog isn't sick, it's dead. And so was Creed's cat. And so was his wife on the night she was killed for the second time. Now you want some advice, my friend? You get in your car and you get the hell out of that town. of a kook um he does not mince words it's like it's not a blood condition the dog is dead same as with the creed cat same as with creed's wife on the night she was killed for the second time you want my advice you get in your car and you get the fuck out of that town all right so apparently chase doesn't have any more to say to the matter so the guy's like i don't know what he takes because there's like a crow that's just sitting there like chase probably thinks it's you know, stuff. He's a taxidermist. But when the guy, like, flings something at the the bird, the bird just swoops into the air, and Chase, like, gets the hell out of there. Um, this scene coming up, of course, was not in the TV version because it was edited, because the song Shit List is playing while Gus is basically killing and Getting all of his rabbits, all of every damn one of them, is just hanging, waiting for the pot. And it's really, it's just, it's gross. And you got Drew and Jeff just kind of watching Gus do this. Of course, these kids, now they're at the dinner table, they definitely don't want to eat all these umpteen rabbits. But Gus is just like, Gumming them down like there's no tomorrow. Poor Amanda looks like such a, a battered and abused wife. She's got like bruises all over. Her clothes are hanging off of her. Her hair is just dull. This is nasty. Gus, there's hardly any mashed potatoes left. 
and Gus takes the serving spoon out of the potatoes and just takes a bite right off the spoon. Nasty. He keeps taking a bite out of the dishes that are being passed, like these, I guess they're lima beans, and Gus keeps, like, side-eyeing Jeff for some reason, like, why? And apparently Drew does not see the bowl because it goes right on the floor spilling the beans. Anna clearly has had enough. She's like, damn it, Gus, this isn't funny. This is weird! Because all of a sudden, Gus leans forward and grabs Jeff's arm and just opens his mouth and just has a big old wad of, like, mashed potato lima bean mashed up in his mouth, like, bleh, it, like, belches or burps in his face. And Drew is all kind of, like, trying to play it off, like, ah, they're all laughing. And Gus is laughing while food is, like, falling out of his mouth. It's disgusting. God damn it, Gus. This isn't funny. neck hole is showing again. Let me adjust that. So now we go back to Chase's. He is locking every single door in that house. He's even got a gun. He is ready to go. And Zowie is apparently in the house because when Chase turns off the lights, we see Zowie. <laughs> yeah, it's like an eerie blue light. I don't know where it's coming from, but this is the weirdest fucking dream sequence I have ever seen in my life. Again, with Renee's body, it's like Chase is having a sex dream. And her body is there, and she's, like, naked. Her fake boobies are showing. And it's Zowie's fake-ass wolf head, and it's just like, what the hell? It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a sex dream with him on the bottom and Renee on the top. And her telling him, I can come back, Chase. And then all of a sudden, it's, like, Zowie's head on top of her body, but... The rest of her is naked, and it's just like, good grief. Fake ass Zowie. I don't wonder about the actors doing scenes with these fake animals. Ugh. Especially Anthony Edwards, because it's like fa this fake thing grabbing his arm, and he's like supposed to be trying to like, oh, get my arm. It's like, mm. So Chase grabs his gun and shoots Zowie, who breaks through. I'm getting such Cujo vibes from this dog. Because Cujo also broke through a window. Twice, in fact. 
So now we have Jeff and Drew talking about... Because apparently right now they're just getting quote-unquote nice Gus. Because Jeff asked Drew, do you think if everyone that came back would come be like your dad? So my guess is Jeff is starting to think, maybe I should take my mom up there. That's just the feeling that I'm getting. If you're a jerk, you come back nice. If you're not, you come back a jerk. <laughs> okay, so I'm guessing this is a Saturday. Because Drew's like, hey, see you at school on Monday. And just like, yeah, sure. I asked Jeff, hey, Jeff, do you ever think about running away? And Jeff just looks back at him because they're on their bikes. They're getting ready to depart. And he says, yeah, all the time. See ya. Okay, this is where Clyde is on his electric motor bike. Drew was handling this his own bike fine, but apparently just the shock of seeing Clyde zip past caused him to jump off his bike. And his bike is like, there's no traffic down this road. They're on the boonies. <laughs> Jeff does not realize that this is Clyde on this electric motorbike. But as soon as he does, poor Jeff is like, he cannot outrun this thing. Ugh. Fucking with it. 
you gonna do? Give me a ticket? You shit, Gus. Come on. You can't lay a finger on me. Jeff's life, which makes me think there's an ulterior motive there. However, um, Drew is standing there seeing Gus kill Clyde. So he tries to get the hell out of there. Um, it's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah, Gus is not the nice guy you think he is. And it doesn't matter how old they were when they were alive. They're still going to be evil when they come back. That's just how it is. So Drew makes it home. He's got... Gus is a lot... He's got a lot of guns there. He happens to make it home. <laughs> oh, this is... No, it's not good. Because he gets there, and he's on the mic, the intercom, the amp, whatever speaker that's in his police vehicle. This is the police. Come out. <clears throat> oh, shit. Sally. Stay back. Dude, that gun is fucking loaded. Yeah, you're missing the bullets, dude. <laughs> I got something to do, buddy. Oh, yeah, boy. Wow. <laughs> Dude, 
good. If you're gonna try to shoot, you make sure there's bullets in that gun because not only is that, not to mention apparently you can lock the doors from inside the house. How the fuck is that? Just you can't get out either way because there's no keys on the the key holders, and you apparently can lock the doors from the inside so you can't get out. Holy shit. And also, Zowie is now turned on Drew, who's going up the stairs with Zowie hot on his heels, shuts the door. We're getting a real shining moment here when Gus has a hammer that he starts, like, trying to break the door down. Drew has to take a chair that's in Gus and Amanda's bedroom to break a window to get out on the little mini roof or whatever overhang, I guess, above the the front door. And Amanda just happens to pull into the driveway and Drew's like, we gotta get out of here. We got, Gus killed Clyde. He's trying to kill me. We need to go. Because Gus flings his body against the windshield and is like, that's enough for Amanda to like, we, okay, I get it. So... Drew, Drew, of course, is now trying to tell Amanda Gus is dead, all right? He died, and Jeff and I buried him in the pet cemetery, or above the pet cemetery, and she's not believing him. Oh, my gosh. She's like, no, I don't believe you. What are you talking about? Uh, here comes uh, here comes Gus in his police mobile. Whew. No, a potato truck. Oh my gosh. Why are you for speeding up? Damn. So yeah, now Gus has killed Clyde and Drew and Amanda, but he takes Clyde's body up to be buried above the pet cemetery. I'm surprised he didn't take Drew and Amanda's body, because that would have been something else. I honestly would have preferred to see how that would have played out if he'd done that. Okay, how many days have passed now? Because now they're reporting on Amanda and Drew's death uh, in a head-on collision on Saturday. Well, what happened to the potato driver? Is he dead too? So Marjorie comes in and she's like, oh my gosh, those poor people. Did you see Gus at the funeral? Because apparently Gus is a surviving member of the family. And she's just like, yeah, so I'm just like, well, what did he do? So... 
we do have um, Jeff, who's pretty much been in the attic the whole time. And the lady on the news also brings up a missing youth, Clyde Parker, who was last seen on Saturday afternoon. Hmm, sounds like there's a connection there. Wow, um, Jeff is now taking a turn for the, um, well, it's something, all right. So he's wearing a suit like he just came back from Drew and Amanda's funeral. And he's got a mannequin where he's got Renee Hallow's, you know, his mom's dress set up. There's even a bed there. There's her makeup table with the mirror lighted, the mirrored lights and everything like that. So it's almost like, Jeff, what are you doing? So he's planning on, <laughs> I'm guessing, taking Renee up there to be buried and come back. He's like... Dude, did you not see how Gus turned out? Because that's most likely how your mom is going to turn out. Oh my gosh. Hey, what are you doing? Everything's ready for mom. Dude, you're not dead. She doesn't have to be. What are you talking about? We can bring her back. Same way me and Drew bought Zowie back. Shane is crazy, Jeff. Zowie didn't die. Actually, he did. Bury him. There's this place in the woods. If you bury something there, it comes back to you. Oh, come on. We did it on Gus. Don't you lie to me. Hey! Don't believe me. Yeah. So when when Chase asks Jeff, like, dude, what are you what are you doing? Why are you getting your mom's stuff all out? I don't understand. And Jeff says, Well, I'm getting stuff ready for mom. And Chase says, Jeff, your mom is dead. You know this. And Jeff turns around, he's got this creepy smile on his face, and he says, well, she doesn't have to be. Drew and I did this with, with Zowie. And the fact that she still does not believe that Zowie's dead. It's like, the dog is dead, you've had two people confirm the dog is in fact dead. I don't know what to tell you. So he gets so pissed that he grabs... Jeff, by his suit jacket lapel, is practically lifting him up off his feet. And he's just screaming at him, don't you lie to me! And Jeff's like, we did it on Gus, okay? <laughs> That's why he looks the way he does. So, of course Marjorie says, it's a phone call for you, Chase. It's a caretaker from the cemetery, something about your wife's grave. And Jeff just has a smile on his face like, told you so. So when he gets off the phone with the, the cemetery caretaker, Marjorie's like, what happened? And he says, I, I don't know exactly, but I have to go. Um, and make sure Jeff doesn't leave the house. 
Yeah, like, she can really stop him. So when Chase gets to the cemetery, the caretaker said it's the weirdest thing. I mean, I didn't want to want to disturb you and everything. I know it's late at night, but Gus came saying he had an order to exhume your wife, and I didn't think anything of it. You know, he's the police officer, sheriff. But when he dragged the body, put it in his pickup, and basically drove right through Drew and Amanda's headstones. They got those headstones up quick. That is a process. Not to mention, I mean, I know it's like, no, it's most likely November at this point. Early November. Eventually the ground is going to get hard. You're not going to be able to. But it is what it is. So we go back to the house and Marjorie is asleep on the couch because who knows what the hell time of night it is. And Jeff just sneaks out of the house. So Jeff makes his way to the pet cemetery up into the bog. And we see Gus with a shovel and he's pointing. Basically since Jeff has to bury, you know, his mom. Gus can't do it because he's not related. Yeah, Gus, he knows he buries his own. He's done this before. Twice now, in fact, including you. This is the creepy smile that... Gus and Jeff share as Gus hands Jeff the shovel to bury his mother. Ugh. So it looks like Chase is on his way to confront Gus about taking Renee's body. We got back to the house. Renee is... Marjorie is going up to the attic and she sees that... Renee's dress is like on a mannequin. She has like been obsessed with her career and her clothing and everything. And she wants, she basically wants to be Renee. This is creepy. Damn, Zowie's still alive apparently. Um, <laughs> so I guess two times a charm. Chase has his gun, shoots Zowie. Zowie ends up biting. Chase, like, right above the shoulder. So, is this house supposed to be, like, similar in devastation to what Judd's house was in the in the first movie? Because you go in, it's like, there's just shit. There's a fire going on in the kitchen. Like, the hell. And you know that Chase is going to confront Gus. And it's not going to go great. Oh, there's the dead rabbits all hanging up. What are you doing, Gus? Oh, the dog's dead. Well, it's better than a doggy dog. What's going on around here, Gus? <laughs> Why did you dig up my wife? Because <laughs> I wanted to fuck her. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Yeah, that doesn't do anything. So he turns the tables on Chase, literally, like, turning the table over, and I don't know what he stabs him with in his open wound, but he grabs Chase's gun and says, oh, you got a permit for this? As he empties out the, <laughs> he empties out the bullets out of the gun, like, well, yeah. And then he takes a drill and, like, jabs it right into Chase's open wound. Damn, Gus, you are hardcore. And then he proceeds to say, hey, no pain, no gain, as he's, like, putting the drill basically right up to Chase's head. Like, has no brain, no pain. Think about it. So, luckily, Chase moves away just in time as the drill goes into the cabinet. He grabs a gun, puts a bullet in there, and then puts it right underneath Gus's chin and just pulls the trigger. So Gus kind of hops around for a minute after he's been shot in the head and the cabinet falls over on top of him. So hopefully he's dead now. But before Chase leaves, he turns around, goes back inside Gus's house, and proceeds to shoot three gunshots. Probably trying to make sure he's actually dead. Gus is actually dead. Now we go back to their house with Marjorie all dressed up in Renee's outfit. Oh, she got a surprise. <laughs> As Renee herself... These women are coming back within 24 hours, like within a few hours' time. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Jeff really built a shrine to his mother with this makeup mirror with lights. Oh, you gotta try out the lipstick. Girl, you are not Renee Hallow, no matter how much you want to. Uh-oh. Jeff? Yeah, Jeff sounds like a woman. Right fucking there. Did you really think you could be like me? Uh-huh. Jeff is just sitting there in his rocking chair while his mother just absolutely kills Marjorie. Ugh. So then Chase comes home and <laughs> there's his son with his back from the dead wife. Oh, there's Marjorie. Oh, she did. Damn. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, it's not like you were attracted to her. Arriving at the house, he sees Marjorie is dead. She's been stabbed with a piece of glass in the side of her head. And then he sees Jeff. Chase sees Jeff with Renee. And he just cannot believe it. So it's like, I literally just buried you like a month ago. What the fuck? So, yeah, basically what Jeff said was true. And she even says, we can make it work again this time. And he's like, no. And he tells Jeff, you need to get away from her. That is not your mom. So Renee says, oh, Jeff, go downstairs. Your father and I need to talk. And then as he walks, gets up and starts walking away, she says, the last thing she said to him was, I love you. And he turns and says, I love you more. Like, dude, you are blinded by your love of your mother. And you can't see that that's not her. She's not the same person. Ugh. So when he opens the door, guess who's there? It's reanimated back from the dead, Clyde. And he is just going to torment the hell out of Jeff just like he did when he was alive. an axe? Oh, that's great. Uh, huh, why is his mother laughing? Because she's evil! Shit. to lock the door and rip off the handle. That's just great. He is evil. Ew! Is he like a fucking zombie? Or is eating human flesh? Ew. Yep, and she's gonna start a fire. Ew. Sticking a finger in his eye. It's nasty. Oh! Yep, there it goes. Yep. Set the house on fire. Ugh. So, of course, when Clyde swings that axe, 
right into the fuse box which of course causes an electrical current they already used her lighter too and she like moved like all the makeup and chemicals perfume all that shit onto the floor has a lighter on her sets the floor on fire basically it's going to set the whole attic on fire and now we got we got Clyde with the axe slamming it into um, the fuse box. That's real fucking wonderful. Nothing's supposed to be the end of a movie like this, but just like the first one, house on fire. Clyde grabs an ice skate and is, I guess, going to try to decapitate Jeff. Ugh. <coughs> Oh, yay, it's a fuse. Right in the mouth. There you go. Light him up. Shove him in the fuse box. That explodes. And he did. Good fucking riddance. Ew, it's all over now. That's nasty. Trying to get his dad up. Uh, there's no. Dad, she's fucking melting now. Her face is melting. Just like. Ew! Take the axe to the damn door. No, she don't. That's not your mom. It's not your mom. Jeff, she's not your mom. Let's go. Yikes. Left is the skeleton of Renee. Or, uh. <clears throat> yeah, Jeff has to, because he realizes there's no door handle and the door is locked. So, like, oh, there just happens to conveniently be an axe, which Clyde had gotten. So he's able to axe the door. Really, uh, another shining moment here. And grabs Chase and helps him up get to the door. And Renee's all like, stay with me, your father and I are trying to, and her voice is like really weird and echoey, like it's almost demonic. And she's telling him, like, your father and I are trying to work things out, stay with me, dad is better. And Chase the whole time is like, Jeff, she's not your mom, we gotta get out of here, she's not your mom. And of course, just melting Renee, and of course where the, the little, uh, 
charred marks on the side of her face from when she was electrocuted, like, burst open, and then it's just, like, all this gross crap just pouring, but it's so gross. Alright, so this is how we end the movie. They are putting a lock on the veterinary clinic with a closed sign, and Chase is there, he's got his arm bandaged up, and he's holding- The kitten is still alive, everybody. The kitten survived. <laughs> yes, lock that damn door. There's a kitty. Oh, he's got his arm in a sling. That's good. Oh, he's got a Coca-Cola. He's got a can of Coca-Cola for the rub. Good for you, Chase. <laughs> Uh, people going on with their lives as normal. Walking, riding bikes. Oh, they're getting the hail out of town. Where are they going to go? Are they going to stay in Maine or are they going to go back to L.A.? I never had anyone die before. <laughs> but I guess you get over it. It's just casualty. And then we got Gus. And then we got... Renee. Oh no, that's Marjorie. Duh. Clyde. Clyde died before. Yeah. Amanda and Gus. It's weird. Oh, and one last shot of the cemetery. Go through all those damn trees. Weep. Man. That almost looks like snow. What is that like? Some type of rock. Oh man, from above it looks like a body. Like. When you get the airplane aerial view of the McMack burial ground, that does look like a, um. Like just an outline of a body. <laughs> Oh man, but hey, you know they're—I don't know where they're clearly gotta get the get the hell out of the whole state. Just don't even stay there. Too many bad memories. But then we get Drew from the conversation he had with Jeff saying, "I've never had anyone die before. Maybe you get over it eventually." And then we see, you know, everyone that passed. We see Renee. We see Gus. We see. Clyde for some reason. See Marjorie, see Amanda, and then lastly Drew. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Ugh. But gosh, I really like this movie. I just I don't know why. I think also the music is really good in it, which you really you didn't get that in the first one, which understandable they're two different movies, but they're both by the same director, Mary Lambert. And this one didn't have a cameo. <laughs> By Stephen King, it did not. So let's go, I want to look at the trivia. So actually, real quick, Jared Rushton, who plays Clyde, he has not, he basically retired from acting. Last thing he did was in 2000, so 23 years ago, cover me based on the true story of an FBI family. Uh-huh. Also, he played in a movie called A Cry in the Wild, which is basically, um... The, what was that? It was, it had a sequel called Brian's Winter. It was called The Hatchet. But this is called A Cry in the Wild. So I'm guessing they just had to change the title. But anyway, let's look. Does the kid, Jason McGuire, who was he in Fort? He was 
Snapchain and Forrest Gump. Really, that's cruel. Okay, so looking at the trivia here. Where is the trivia? There it is. Let's see. Jason McGuire, who played Drew Gilbert, was very shy and timid to be starring in a motion picture since he only had done elementary school plays and never had any other acting experience. But when he met 14-year-old Edward Furlong, who plays Jeff Matthews and starred in Terminator 2, Edward immediately became his best friend and mentor. That is so sweet. It looks like the boys had a lot of, they really enjoyed working together. Mary Lambert has stated that her original concept for the film would have involved Ellie, Ellie Creed as a central character, the only survivor for the... I would have liked to see that. However, Paramount was not competent in making the film's lead a teenage girl. So the story... She... Yeah, she would have been a teenager then, because this is like only a handful of years after the first one. Uh, so the story was written with completely new characters and a male protagonist, 13-year-old Furlong, was cast in the lead role, capitalizing on its rise to fame in the previous year's Office of Terminator 2. Anthony Edwards met his future wife, Janine Lobel, on the set of the film. Monster arm prop used on the movie set at the beginning of the film is actually the arm of the skeleton on the pawn, in the pawn, in it. Oh, real? Okay, cool, cool. <clears throat> when production started in 92 in January, the director Mary Lambert was set to filming in Maine like the first one. However, because the producer switched production to Georgia because they, they were wary of Maine's winter weather around that time. Plus, Georgia's foliage, foliage was similar to Maine. Well, I guess a tree's a tree, huh? Um, let's see. There's a movie that Anthony Edwards, Chase's character, is watching, which features Darlene Fluga, who played Renee. Gotcha. The scene where Zowie attempts to break into Gus's rabbit cages was shot in cuts. Gus had supposedly rigged the cages with noisemakers and an electrical surge that, that is supposed to shock anyone who touches it. The dogs had been taught to push an object which sets off the special effects sparks, which were only visual and did not shock the dog. Well, I didn't think they would. When Drew enters the vet's office with Zowie on a leash, Zowie ch chases the kitten and the kitten runs under a surgical gurney to find safety. This scene was shot in cuts and the kitten was not actually there when the dog was doing the chasing. The kitten was filmed separately going from A to B, with one trainer releasing the kitten, a second trainer calling to the kitten with food as a reward. After it opened the door holding the leash, the trainer gave a verbal command to the dog to speak and then called the dog to him. After struggle with the dog holding the leash and then on cue, let the leash go as the dog ran out of frame. Scene was then filmed with the kitten under the gurney and Drew holding Zowie back as he tried to get to the kitten under the gurney. The kitten was never frightened or in any real danger as the dog likes kittens and the two animals are friends. Um, does this person know this for a fact? Were you there on the set while they were doing this? I kind of find the last part to be a little, yeah. When Jeff is chasing after the bully who has his cat, they ride past the house the Creed's move into in the first film. The name can be seen on the mailbox. I don't think that was, again, I thought their house was, maybe it was yellow. I don't know. But the house definitely, in the second movie, looks like a fucking dump spill. Let's see. Both this movie and the original film, Pet Cemetery, feature songs by Ramones during their closing credits. Zowie's breed is actually a husky mix. That's what I kind of figured. He looked, like, really husky. 
not on Akita Inu, which the movie Canine is often confused with. Yeah, yeah, he did not look like um, Hachi at all. Akitas do not have blue eyes, which is a key factor in determining Zowie's true breed as a husky mix, but there are also notable traits present that determine Zowie as a husky. Yes, anyone looking at that dog would be real. That's a husky. This is, yeah, this is what I thought. The bully in this film shares his name with a famous outlaw couple of Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. The bully's name is Clyde Parker. That rang some bells with me. Like, yeah, that sounds familiar. Let's see. In an early scene, an elderly dog is euthanized by injection in Chase's office. The dog slash actor was aged with white makeup on his fur, laid perfectly still, so still he actually fell asleep. So still he actually fell asleep. After slid a blunted needle under the dog's fur, did not pierce the dog's skin, small hidden receptacle held the fake blood that appeared on the dog's fur in a close-up. Oh, well, I kind of figured as much. I mean, it makes me think of, like, Homeward Bound because Shadow was old and they had multiple dogs playing Shadow and they had to do, like, the white face makeup for the dog to show, like, oh, the dog's really old. We have the second movie, Homeward Bound, Lost in New York, or Lost in New York, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Lost in San Francisco. Um, definitely a different dog. I mean... The way that they portrayed that in the first movie, you're like, that dog is not going to be in a sequel. And apparently two years later, the dog's still kicking around at like 14 years of age. So also, it just, a lot of this seems to be just training with the shots with the cats and the kittens and everything like that. Let's see, when Jeff is cleaning the former vet's office for his dad's new practice, he is surprised when a kitten leaps out at him and he discovers a box full of kittens. To accomplish the scene, the kittens were placed in a cardboard box in a cage in front of the camera. A trainer was off camera holding a kitten when the actor appeared in front of the cage. The trainer tossed the kitten onto the actor's shoulder and the actor fell down with the kitten. The second trainer called the kitten out of camera frame and the kitten scampered away. The actor had been rehearsed in handling the kitten carefully and the kitten was not frightened. As an added precaution, masks were placed on the floor when or where the actor and the kitten were. The cat that popped out of the box, that was not a kitten. That was like a full-grown cat. That was clearly the mother cat. Apparently, Anthony Edwards, who plays Edward Furlong's father, in reality is only 15 years older than Edward Furlong. Wow. Let's see. Spoiler, the film was set in real time three years after the Creed's died in the original. In the original script, the bedroom rape scene was written to be longer and more graphic. Thank goodness it wasn't, because that was just disgusting to watch. Let's see. Body count 11. See, in an interview, Mary Lambert commented that the real reason why she wanted to make the sequel was I re really wanted to get into the idea of what goes on in a teenage boy's head or why they do stupid things because that's the kind of stupid thing a teenage boy would do. Lewis Creed buries his son because of an intense desire, a feeling of guilt that it's his fault that the boy died. But Edward Furlong's character buries Clancy Brown and pets him because he's a teenage boy and he's stupid? For teenage boys, the blood is not going to their... 
Okay, um, I gotta say, whoever wrote this, I don't think Mary Lambert said that at all. That is clearly somebody editing this into the IMDb trivia. Good grief. Duh. That's, there's, I'm gonna stop with the trivia. There's so damn much trivia. Spoiler. It's all basically like, Here's how they did the shot. Here's how they filmed it in separate cuts. And ba 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 And I'm like, okay, enough's enough. I'm sure I bored y'all enough. But, yeah, I definitely had fun with this movie. Again, I did say I've been wanting to get to this movie for quite a while. So I really, I hope you all enjoy the review. And have a great, great rest of what's left of October. Bye-bye, everyone.